The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. You're listening to Waddle and Sylvie, live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago, the new home of the Chicago Bears. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. This is Bears Friday. ESPN Chicago. Here comes the blow, blow, blow. Bears back. Fields. Late pressure coming, but it doesn't reach. It throws downfield. He's got DJ Moore over the shoulder. 20, 15, and out of bounds. Sent back to Fields. Fields looking, now throwing. Got open, man. DJ Moore. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Bears. In motion as he sets the throw. Right side. It is caught. DJ Moore spins away from a tackle. At the 40, 45. Nifty footwork on the sideline. Inside the 40. Inside the 35. Wow. Paired in the left slot. Snap to Fields. Roche on the back. Going to throw. Left side of the end zone. Up in the air. Contested catch. Touchdown, DJ Moore. Got out to the right. Snap Fields. Stares down the left side. Pass is caught by Moore. Down the sideline. And nothing but green grass. He is gone, baby. Touchdown, DJ Moore on third and two. The corner corner broke out. Go, DJ. That's my DJ. Go, DJ. Never forget they were playing that uh, song during one of the training camps. I think it was one of the first practices they had during a a storm up there. And they were inside the Peyton Center. And that song was on and DJ Moore made just a spectacular catch. Like their first or second training camp practice. I'm like, this dude is legit. I knew how good he was with Carolina. But like when you see him in that Bears uniform, the number two, and you're like, this guy's... On the Bears. And then Waddle came in during one of the outdoor practices like a week later, and he looked at me. He's like, this guy's going to catch 105 passes. Yeah. And then they, they threw. He's their best player by they, far. They threw it to him twice in the opener. I'm like, what are they doing? Since then, I think he's averaging 125 yards per game. He's not having to clap his hands to catch <laughs> anyone's attention anymore. It's much the better. The ball's being delivered. Yes, much better. Uh, by the way, uh, it's a busy week for us. We're out on Wednesday. Come join us to break up the work week. Um, we're going to be at Twin Peaks in Warrenville from 2 to 6. Full show on Wednesday, 282 Deal Road in Warrenville. We've been there before. Eat, drinks, scenic views. We love Twin Peaks. Uh, 29 degree, ice cold beer. We love it. The Nissan Titan Street team will be there. They'll have some great giveaways as well. That's Wednesday. Twin Peaks in Warrenville. On Thursday, by the way, don't forget, Waddle, we're going to be out at Hallis Hall. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so we'll be talking to all the great uh, people out at Hallis Hall we'll on see Thursday. Jeff Joniak in person. Yes, we will. And my commute will be seven minutes. Yes. So, And we'll see the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Most and my commute will be seven minutes. So uh, that's a, it's going to be a great week. But uh, you can participate with us on Wednesday at Twin Peaks in Warrenville from 2 to 6. Uh, we love talking to Robert Mays. He is fantastic at what he does. He is a big Bears fan, of course, as well. And before the season, before we even went to training camp, when I, before I even started getting a little bit concerned about Justin Fields and what I was seeing, Mays was telling us that he's a little worried about the way Justin processes 
and, and things like that. And, and, and he's turned out to be right. There was plenty of video evidence to support that concern. Yes. So uh, Robert Mays joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. And uh, Mays, thanks for joining us. What we want to know now is, do you believe after the last two games of Denver and the Commanders that we are maybe starting to see Justin Fields have some true growth here? It's progress for sure. And I think that's absolutely encouraging. And the whole formula of this offseason that I was hoping would click into place if this went well is you have a number one receiver in D.J. Moore, and he kind of speeds up that process. When you trust those matchups and you're willing to take them consistently, that allows your quarterback to play faster. That's exactly what happened with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown last season. And that was the best-case scenario. And we saw that. That's what we saw on Thursday night. So it steps in the right direction. I don't think we need to make any grand proclamations at this point, but it's encouraging nonetheless. I would say, Robert, on top of that, the fact that they finally were able to close out a game and they did it with zero turnovers, to me, was maybe the biggest sign of growth from him and that offense. Absolutely. And the biggest thing that from last year, beyond the processing speed, it was the ratio of negative plays, the turnovers, but also yep. the sacks, yep. you know, the catastrophic plays. And if you had an optimistic view on what this could look like, it was about looking at a pie chart of his outcomes and just having the negative plays shrink. It's not like he needs to make great, explosive, fantastic plays all the time. It's more about raising the baseline. And I do think that, again, over the last couple games, minus the last two minutes against the Broncos, we have seen that start to trend in the right direction. How likely is it that after, you know, let's say three years, things do start to click? Is it, I mean, if you had to put money down on it now, is this an anomaly or is this something that truly you think that they will build upon and he will build upon? It's a great question. I It's hard to say because circumstances are always so different. I also think you can throw out the first year and I don't think, even think it counts. Good point. So let's say it's two years. We've seen examples of other guys where it really does click into place like that. Like Jalen Hurts is another is a very good example. He was a fine player in his second year where they built this run-heavy offense around him. He was really efficient in that way, but they were limited. And he thought, okay, what is the end point on this? And I think the Eagles had doubts about that. When you look at the way that they had stockpiled resources, they had two first-round picks in last year's draft, you know, they set themselves up to say, all right, if this doesn't work out, we could potentially pivot. And then it clicks in for him in year three. Look at what's happening with Tua in Miami. I mean, he looks like a completely different player because of the help and the circumstances around him. So I don't think we're so deep into this that it can't happen and it can't change course. I just think that he had further to go than even some of those guys did when you look at some of the underlying numbers. But again, if this is the trajectory that he's now on, then you start to get a little bit more encouraged. So so I know you just said this. You don't want to make any grand proclamations. Um, You're going to make me do it anyway. So I'm going to make it like at least. So let's just say that he does continue to grow. Uh, who knows how much, but we continue to see this this progress along the way. And let's work this out where the Carolina Panthers continue to suck and the Bears end up with the number one pick. Now what? he has to be undeniably a star-level potential player for you to pass that up. I don't, I don't think that's crazy to say. These two guys that are coming out, this is not the 2022, or excuse me, this is not this year's rookie class. This is not where you had to kind of squint and say, all right, who's the best guy? You know, Bryce Young has 
obvious size concerns. C.J. Stroud comes from Ohio State. There were a lot of questions about what he would look like in muddier pockets and just in worse circumstances. Same questions Justin Fields had. And Anthony Richardson was a Rorschach test. I mean, you look at what he was in college, we've never seen somebody with that sort of profile go in the top five, even if I think Stroud and Richardson have looked very good in stretches over the first four games. Well, Caleb Williams and Drake May are different tiers of prospects. They are different sort of players. So if you have a chance to get one of those guys, passing that up and passing up the rookie quarterback window that comes with it, you have to have a guy that is undeniably somebody that lifts everything else around him. So I think if that ends up happening, personally, I think the decision is made for them. The bigger question is, what if the Panthers have the fourth pick and you have the ninth pick? Then what do you do? That, that to me, is where things get really interesting. But if they're in a position to cleanly draft one of those guys, I think that he would have to be head and shoulders so much better than we've even seen over the last couple of weeks over the rest of the season to preclude you from drafting one of those players. Robert, have you talked to anybody that isn't 100% sold on Caleb Williams, or is everyone that you talk to like, wow, this guy is you know, as, as solid as, what would it be, last guy was Andrew Luck, right, coming out? But they're so different, Waddle, and I think that's what's so interesting about him is that if Caleb Williams had come out in 2016, okay, or even 2017, in a world before Patrick Mahomes becomes Patrick Mahomes, and before we see the development from Josh Allen, I think the discourse around Caleb Williams is very different because to his style of play, his time to throw is insane. It's like 3.6 seconds or something like that. And we have to, as a kind of evaluating community, decide is that truly a negative or is that just kind of a weird quirk to who he is because that playmaking gene takes over so often. I think he can play within structure. I think that obviously he's been able to play on time within that offense, but He's kind of a strange evaluation in that way when you compare him to other kind of true blue, no doubt about it, number one picks. Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, those guys, they're more traditional. And that's why I think there are going to be some people in the community that look at Drake Bay and say, well, I know what that is. You know, I understand that. That's a little bit easier for me to put my finger on where Caleb Williams to me almost feels like a creature of the modern football world. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think that he's a little bit more unique than some of those no-doubt-about-it blue-chip guys that we've seen over the last two if, decades. If you're running a franchise and you have the first pick, who are you taking? I'm, I'm, I'm not that far down the road yet. I haven't watched either of them enough to like make that sort of declaration. I, I think I it's interesting, to... though, Robert, that, that it's even like I – because I've heard people talk about May well, or, or I mean in lofty terms, but I, I haven't really heard anybody talk to him like on par with Caleb Williams. I think that's interesting. So uh, Dane Brugler, who is our draft analyst, our draft expert at The Athletic, he does a phenomenal job. I have so much respect for Dane and the work that he puts in. He has always kind of tiered them as 1A, 1B. And it's going to be an eye of the beholder thing for people drafting in that range. If you miss out on Caleb Williams, it's not like (laughs) you haven't struck Bader here. Like These guys are both really, really good prospects and better prospects than anybody that's come out over the last couple of years. And the comparison that I've heard multiple times from multiple different people is he's got Justin Herbert to his game, where the ball just explodes out of his arm. He's very smooth. He's got that sort of physical profile. So this is somebody that even if you don't get the number one overall pick in this draft, if you get the number two overall pick, you're cooking with gas. Hmm. That sounds sounds very interesting. Well, currently, we have one and two. Well, right, yeah. right. <laughs> and, and so we can take them both, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And, and have them battle it out. And then trade the loser, right? Um, Robert May is joining us. It's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. So project how you think 
the rest of the season is going to go for the Bears. The win against the Commanders, does that steady the ship a little more? And do they do they have a, a season now where they win some games? Or are they still a not-so-good football team? I think they're still a not-so-good football team, but I think they'll win some games. You know, they should have beaten the Broncos. They have enough talent on, on both sides of the ball now where they should be more competitive. Even if you weren't bullish on the Bears coming into the season, and I wasn't compared to other people, I still thought that they would be a substantially better football team than they were last year. Think about all the moves that they made this offseason. Think about the resources that they had to pump into this roster. And that was the encouraging part about the offense on Thursday outside of just Justin Fields. You saw what the plan on the offensive line was supposed to be. You know, you saw Nate Davis and Darnell Wright having some cohesion after playing together for a little bit longer. Obviously, there's another mid-game injury that they can't deal with, but that flash of the group with Kevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, Nate Davis, and Darnell Wright, which it was how it was supposed to be before the season. You watch them play together for stretches and think, all right, this is what it's supposed to be. And you get Braxton Jones back at left tackle at some point. I think that can be a an average unit. And then I even think that's a little bit pessimistic. So them being functional there, plus DJ Moore, I love what the feel of the trio with Moore, Mooney, and EQ looks like. I think it gives them a lot of verticality. I think it gives a lot of speed. Obviously, St. Brown plays a very specific role. So I think the offense has a chance to be pretty decent in stretches if what we saw from him over the last couple of weeks is real. And the defense, it's been terrible, but it's also been so banged up. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they'll be the worst defense in football. Well, thankfully, the Broncos are going to take that. But yeah. I don't know if they'll be a bottom three defense for the entire year as guys start to get back into the lineup. So I don't think this is going to be a two-win football team. I really don't, just because I think with more time together, we'll see that off-season plan, off-season plan start to crystallize a little bit. Whether it's a... A seven-win team? I don't know about that because I think they've, put, they've dug themselves a little bit of a hole. If they go coach shopping, and again, I, this is we're week six. I get all of that, but but who's at the top of your list of, of guys that are next next and best? Ben Johnson, I think is probably number you one. You sing it, you sing it, brother. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm of the opinion that, and this is obviously depends on what happens over the course of the season, what happens going into the offseason. If you do have the number one pick or you have the number two pick and you're in a position to draft one of these guys, and as Ryan Poles, you say, I want my guy, I want to restart the development clock, I want to restart the financial clock, all this stuff. I think you have to do everything in your power to try to ensure that guy's success. And to do that, I think you have to bring in a play-calling, offensive-minded head coach. Because to me, it is the smoothest path to quarterback development success. Look at all of the young guys who have come into the NFL and have kind of followed that track. Patrick Mahomes has Andy Reid. Look at what Anthony Richardson is right now with Shane Steichen and those flashes that we've gotten to see him. Look what the Colts' offense is with Shane Steichen after what they looked like last year. So I think trying to bottle that as best you can is important. We have examples to the contrary. Brian Dable comes in in Josh Allen's second year. They take off. What Bobby Sloak is doing right now is the offensive coordinator for C.J. Stroud. You can do it. I just think it's easier and cleaner if that guy is the figurehead at the top of your building. So that is the type of guy I'd be seeking out, especially if they end up being in a position to draft one of these guys. Do you think he's a guy who there's a lot of people who are comfortable calling plays as a coordinator, but then when they're a head coach, they're not head coach worthy and they flub a lot of things. Do you think this is a man who's made to be a head coach? Yeah, everything that I've heard about him, I think the answer to that is yes. 
And, and what I like about him is that he doesn't come from anywhere. Some of these guys who I think have had a lot of success recently, they don't have really a defined kind of coaching tree background. Let's bring up Steichen again. Steichen, Shane is somebody who came into the NFL under the North Turner tree. You know, so if you look at some of the things he believes in, it's that kind of vertical air core yell, push the ball down the field offense. The first quarterback that he played with or coached with as a coordinator was Justin Herbert. And Herbert was fantastic as a rookie under Shane. And then he goes to coach Jalen Hurts over the last couple of years, and he says, all right, this is a different problem. This is a different, not problem, but this is a different challenge to tackle. What the guy I have now, what his skill set looks like. So him and Sirianni spend their first offseason before working with Jalen going back and watching tons of Ravens film, tons of college tape, reaching out to the people they know in college and saying, all right, well, you know, what kind of ideas do you think work with this guy? They hire Brian Johnson as their quarterback's coach who was in college before that at Ole Miss and then in Florida. I think that sort of background where you think, I can go in any direction I want, that's beneficial. And that's who Ben is. You know, he was in Miami where he's working under Adam Gase, and then he's had some experience working in that outside zone system because Aaron Crow, uh, excuse me, uh, Chris Furster was the offensive line coach there, who's now in San Francisco, and they have a lot of the Sean Payton stuff because Johnny Morton, who was an assistant on those New Orleans teams, was there last year with them, so it kind of expanded their drop-back game. This is all very inside baseball, but it's just to say that he has a varied enough background where if you put a challenge in front of him, he can come at it in enough different ways that I feel good about his ability to solve it. Do you like uh, Jim Harbaugh, and do you believe he's going to come back to the NFL? I wouldn't be surprised if he came back to the NFL. I just, I would, I would want someone where I have a more recent track record of NFL offensive success. And maybe that's just me having a lack of imagination, but I just look at what these guys can give you. I look at what Mike McDaniel can give you. I look at what Kyle Shanahan can give you. I look at what all those guys have done to prop up their young quarterbacks and give them a chance to succeed. And I just think that that's the thing that you should be chasing. Again, there are examples to the contrary. We have defensive-minded head coaches and CEO types that have had great success in the NFL. But in this modern era, given the choice, that is the type of guy that I would want to go with. He's built a hell of a staff in the past, but that was a, a long time ago. Robert, when you uh, is it an out-of-body experience for you the way it is for me watching the San Francisco 49ers do offensive stuff? It's unbelievable what they are and what they do. I just love watching them so much. And I've always been a Kyle Shanahan guy. You know, going back to the time in Atlanta, I remember what yeah, that's actually not even true. The first time I fell in love with Kyle Shanahan was in 2014. <laughs> I, I was watching the 2014 Cleveland Browns. Okay. You go back and look at the stats, the season long stats for the 2014 Cleveland Browns. They were terrible. Brian Hoyer, Johnny Manziel. It was a nightmare. The first six games of that season, they were like a top seven offense with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. They had Joe Thomas, Mitchell Schwartz, Alex Mack. The offensive line was fantastic. They had Andrew Hawkins as like their number one receiver. And just the level of detail and watching them play was phenomenal. And he goes to Atlanta, and you know it's uneven in year two or in year one, but I thought there were a lot of really cool flashes. And then in 2016, he takes over the league. And it wasn't a surprise to me because of what I'd seen him do in other places. And what's always amazing and fascinating about Kyle is watching the offense change for two reasons. One, built around his personnel. He looks at the players that he has and says, all right, what can I do to get the most out of these guys? Goes back to RG3 in Washington 2012. Maybe that's where I should have started. And the second is 
he always does such a fantastic job of understanding where the cur- development curves are coming schematically in the loop. So, okay, if defenses are now trying to stop this, I'm going to try doing something else before they even know that's what they should be trying to stop. If you look at the Niners and like the percentage of plays they use play action on, for example, they used to be the heaviest play action team in the NFL. You know, 30, 35% of dropbacks. That was the Shanahan offense. Outside zone, under center play action. Now, they're in the bottom seven because they don't need to use play action. What they're built on now is we're getting five guys out in the route yeah. in this positionless way no one else can do, and we're getting the ball out quickly, quickly, quickly. It, and they it, can still attack the middle of the field without it because of the way that they've designed the offense. So I think what he is as a coach is very special, and I think I've thought that for a very long time, and I think this is kind of the purest expression of that. Is, is Brock Purdy his football soulmate? Or is he the perfect guy for this roster and this offense, or do you think Brock Purdy could have thrived elsewhere? I think he is right for this situation in this offense. If you look at what he was, I, I saw it today, and I didn't know much about him as a prospect, but Bruce Gradkowski, who was working at PFF at the time, was tweeting about, the, but before the draft, this is in revisionist history, about what Brock was at Iowa State. And apparently he had like the second-best grade in the, in the nation his last year there on intermediate throws between 10 and 19 yards. And if you look at the way he's asked to layer throws within that offense, he is so, so good at understanding that space and attacking that space when given the opportunity. And that's exactly where this team wants to thrive. So there are going to be so many conversations over the next, like, eight weeks, ten weeks, about is he the MVP, would he succeed elsewhere. It's great for us. It's going to give us plenty of content fodder. But in the Niners' case, it doesn't matter. Until you have to worry about paying this guy in two years, all that matters is he is a very good trigger man for the absolutely devastating offense that they have created. Maze, you're awesome. We appreciate you picking up the phone for us. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. There you go. Robert Mays does great work. Check him out. And uh, He's got a very measured approach yes. to it all, which I think would serve a lot of people well. Yes. It's the, There's no careening from one guardrail to right, the next. Right, right. It's the exact opposite of what you were talking about in yes. today's day and age. All right. The good, the bad, the dirty. Our, uh, our recap of the sports weekend. It is coming up next. Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. The good. It's gone! Oh my God! The bad. That is so bad, that is absolutely brutal. And the dirty. I'm talking about nasty. So many stories are running through my head right now. Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. That's right. It's the good, the bad, and the dirty. It's a recap of the sports weekend. It's brought to you by Finishing Chicago. We'll go around the room. Amela and Tyler are both off today. Tyler's golfing in North Carolina after a bunch of Bears hot takes this weekend. <laughs> Miller just hanging with his kids because uh, of uh, Columbus Day so. holiday. Yeah. So, uh, Justin and Kevin are both in today with us. He had to go to North Carolina because he had so many hot takes. So many hot takes. He was at a wedding uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah. it was a, a wedding? Yeah. Uh, he- I know Shay was all fired up about it because 
why do you schedule a Sunday wedding that a lot of people have to travel for when not everybody has the day off the next you day? You ask Shay how he's got the Bears with 11 wins, and then we'll talk. Shay, <laughs> Shay's fired up about everything. That's I was true. driving around like, Mania. man, does Shay like... Shay f- she gets fired up over everything. People just text me the most aggressive stuff, he's, just like out of the he's blue. He's a name caller, too, isn't he's he? He's an aggressive man. Yeah, man he's a name caller. He, he called oh. me a piece of bleep the other day in a text oh, message. He's a yeah. name he's, caller. He was going after Michigan State fans this weekend. Yeah. He was having a big, big Urban Meyer conversation right. when Michigan State this weekend. And ooh, it got nasty. Ooh. Yeah, I was like, after some. Pew. After a little kid pitch baseball, I hopped into the car. And there was some name calling. I'm like, whoa. Everybody's wearing it. Loser, idiot, fool. And then uh, (laughs) Hoodie does the uh, Dan Derridorf impersonation for Shay, and I can't get that out of my mind. All I hear now is Dan Derridorf when I hear Shay. And then you hear Cap screaming, Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's a little bit of everything. What do you got? What's your good? Uh, my good is something we just talked with Robert Mays about, and that's everything 49er related. Their win last night was dominant. You were watching Pants Off, weren't you? Yes, they have scored at least 30 at points night. in every game. They were allowing just 14 points per game defensively. They put it on the Dallas Cowboys. Brock Purdy was 17 of 24 for four tutties and no interceptions. They ran the ball for 170 yards, and they held the Cowboys to 10 points. And Dak Prescott threw three interceptions, and they fumbled one time, so they took it away four times. It was a dominant win by the best team in the National Football League right now. It may change. It's only five weeks, but that machine in Santa Clara is running without a hitch right now. It's pretty, pretty great. Uh, My good is uh, Travis Kelsey, and that we were talking about Travis Kelsey and not Taylor Swift yesterday. That's good. Now, I am a Swifty. You know this. If you've listened to the show, you know this. But she was not at the game yesterday. And if you watch the Vikings-Chiefs game, you know that Travis Kelsey got hurt. And for a little bit there, it looked bad. And, and we didn't know if he would come back or if he would be lost for weeks. Um, and sure enough, he did come back. And I was just happy as a football fan for Travis Kelsey to get some love because Travis Kelsey was doing great football stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not about Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift. It was just because he was a damn good football player and doing what he does best. And he shook off the injury and he was catching footballs in the middle of that zone uh, and then he caught an important touchdown later in the game. And even with the bad ankle or foot or whatever it was, uh, late in the game when they're chasing seven, they have him in the end zone playing defensive back. Yeah, Man, he's a warrior. Um, they don't have many good receiving weapons. Who I can- wouldn't be shocked if they traded for a, a wide, if there's one available, traded for a wide receiver at the trade deadline. They need to find the next guy. Like, Travis Kelsey still has a lot of tread on the tires, but they're starting to get... There is what tread, is but they're 34? starting... 34. And they don't have that next guy, whether it's a receiver or a tight end, that can take take over and be Patrick Mahomes' go-to 
receiver. So Albert Breer made a prediction on Captain Jay Hood earlier in the year that this trade deadline he expects to be as busy as any trade deadline. So I would think that there will be wide receivers who will get traded. And I would think that Kansas City would certainly be I in that on the so. max. But Velas Jones to the Chiefs. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if he would catch on with anybody. Anything for it? Yeah, that's it's it's amazing. Valus Jones needs to be on the inactive list. I would list. think that Valus Jones this week will be practicing as a running back as well, unless they sign someone. Roshan Johnson Makes will sense. be in the concussion protocol, right? We're not going to see Khalil Herbert for a few weeks. Did they Deontay sign a Foreman running back? Will the be their lead guy. Did the Bears sign a running back? I'm not sure. Did I, they? I thought they did off a team's practice squad Which over the weekend. Which is fine, but if you're going to keep Valus Jones active on game day, and you are going to give him the ball in the jet sweep, you might also try to get a little something at him as uh, out of him as a backup running back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I thought they signed the my uh, a running back from Miami. Yeah, Darrington Evans. Yeah, well, he's been. I think he's been with the Bears in the past. But he's off the Miami Dolphins practice squad. Get creative and get the ball in the hands of Valus Jones. I mean, I, just, I don't think he got it. Did he have a catch or a carry at no, all on no, Thursday? No, no, no. I think he was in like a, for maybe one play, if that. He he stands back there on kickoffs, and he watches the ball go into the end zone. Yes. That's the extent of his day being active. There's no use for him at this point. So, uh... That's my, I, that was my good. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Travis uh, Kelsey, good. not Travis Taylor Swift. Yeah, yes. Go ahead, guys. What do, who wants to go? I'll go. Um, so I'm in for Meller, apparently, we've decided. So I'll bring it's Kevin, in, by the way. Yes. Hello, everyone. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. I, I uh, If I'm in for Meller, I'll bring a little soccer conversation to, uh, to the program. Yesterday, very happy day for me. I'm a fan of Arsenal. And the mighty Arsenal defeated Manchester City 1-0. Uh, it was the first time they've defeated City in the league since 2017. A little background, Manchester City is probably the best team in the world right now. They, they've won the Premier League, I think, four times. Last year, they won the Champions League, which means they were the best team in all of Europe. Uh, they're a juggernaut, a dynasty, however you want to phrase it. And yesterday, finally getting the monkey off the back, getting the dub in London. I was uh, elated on a Sunday morning. It was a great okay. day for me. Yeah. All right. What about you, Justin? Yeah, I don't know if you guys... Kansas, baby! Kansas! <laughs> He's another Jayhawk. Can- Kansas did get the win. They're ranked 23, but college football, guys, I don't know if you stayed up to watch the end of this Arizona-USC game. But I was passed out. It was it was a crazy one. Caleb Williams really didn't play his best ball, but he still had the winning two-point conversion at the end. It was a great play. Uh, it was a really good game, but I was half asleep too, Waddle. Yeah, I wasn't half asleep. I was... Uh, Totally asleep. What what are you doing on a Saturday night being half asleep? You're you're how old? Fourteen. Yes, yes. I was I was out of town actually, so I had a long day picking apples that day. I was Whoa, picking time apples. Out. Uh-huh. Right, were you on a date? I, my, me and my girlfriend, we I was in Look Missouri. Would you. Yeah, yeah. you go leaf peeping too? That's adorable. <laughs> yes, you did. It is adorable. You went leaf peeping and apple picking. Did you go on a hayride? No hayride. We yes, made some did. stuff with the apples. I got pictures. I'll show you. It was good. It was wow. some good eats. What did you make? Yeah. What did you make uh, with oh, the apples? It's the apple crust something. It's like, uh, I don't know. I'll show you some some ice cream with it. It's good. It's Anything good. alcoholic? Oh, good. Did you did you turn it into some like... ciders? Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you bob yeah. for apples? What? No bobbing for apples. No bo- you didn't bob no. for apples? No. Okay. Not a bobber. I think that's <laughs> more of a weaver. That that's what he just said. It's cute. It, yeah. it is. 
Thanks, guys. Where were you at? Missouri? Yeah, St. Louis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know. Were you guys wearing jean shorts and uh, Timberlands? <laughs> no. Is that how you go apple picking? No. There was, a, there was a mom I saw on Instagram this weekend ranting about going apple picking. How everyone thinks it's fun. You know, like it's Pain the, the thing ass. to do. And it's it's really like... Well, you, you've got you, little kids. You see everyone's pictures on Instagram with their kids apple picking. But really behind the scenes, it sucks. And yeah. um, and, and really, they have a grocery store full of all the best apples. We I, I was there. Believe me, I was there. It's just like a cute photo Yes, op, yes. You know, kind of like, hey, oh, let's go apple picking. I mean, it's going to be well, so cute. Wow, well, he's just sweaty. Just and he's like, I'm going to wear my big hat. So were you wearing your big hat? Apple crumbler. That's what oh, we made. Apple crum- yeah. yeah. Apple crumble's great. It's real good. That is dude. good. Real good. Wow. What's your bad? Uh, my bad is Justin going apple picking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stay uh, in the NFL. It's something we mentioned earlier, the Patriots. I can't believe I, I've witnessed this yeah. the last two weeks. Yesterday, they lost 34 to zip at home to the Saints. Yeah. This is a week after they got beat 38 to 3 by the Cowboys in, in Texas. Last two weeks, they've been beaten 72 to 3. That's bad. I think this is Bill Belichick's last season in New England. It's looking like that, isn't it? Nothing's working. Is this his last year coaching at the NFL level? If he was asking me for advice, something that would never happen, I would say to him, Bill, you are the greatest NFL, greatest football coach in NFL history. You've got a thousand rings. Ride off into the sunset and go enjoy yourself. Hang out with Bon Jovi for a while. Yeah. Like, do you know how, I know you know, like how time consuming being an NFL coach is, a head coach? Go enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. This kid, because I know that coaching brings guys in the industry a lot of joy. This can't be enjoyable. He's, Seventy-two to three can't be enjoyable. He, he's no longer with his girlfriend, right? I don't believe can so. Can he do one of the old uh, guy bachelors now? The golden fun, bachelor. He could be the golden bachelor. How great would that be? Did you see? The, did you see the intros? Like I've never seen like a full episode of any Bachelor, Golden or regular. My wife taped it because she wanted to watch when they come out of the limos. And we spent like 30 minutes watching it. I was mortified. Didn't we always pitch Gene Greco to be the Golden Bachelor? Yes. And and we talked about it forever before it was a thing. Right. I knew we had that idea. I'm trying to get my buddy Phil Vogel on on it as well. (laughs) He's 56 years old. I don't know if that's old enough. I said this. this, I came came back from, from Cincinnati. With my buddy, it was seeing my buddy Phil, and I was talking with him. I was like, "I could get you," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm in," because he's got the great personality. I said this to my wife, thinking she would say, "Oh yeah, absolutely." And one of her college roommates is a television producer out in L.A. Then I was going to be like, "Yeah, get Amy to talk to someone." And her first statement to me was, "He's too short. He can't be the Golden Bachelor." <laughs> I said, "Hey, that is like, that's horrible." You're you're height shaming. You're height shaming Phil. It said he can't be the Golden Bachelor because he's not tall. She goes, look at the guy now. He's six did, foot four. Did, did she make any bald jokes then, too? She didn't. Oh. No. Okay. No. It's next. It's true. Uh, this is, We talked about this earlier. Uh, I think the baddest thing that happened this weekend was Mario Cristobal, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it that's pretty bad. You? No, no. Yeah, it's, it's you're under four six. Yeah, you're good. Like, yeah. You should not be handing this football off. Like, I don't know what. Miami is doing. That's it. 
Now here's Cheney. The straight ahead tackled and the ball popped out. You gotta, you gotta read the clock. I mean, read the card. I mean, and to me, Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Information there to change this. Here's Jeff Ezer. After further review, the ruling on the field stands. First down, Georgia Tech. And then Georgia Tech went on to score and they went on to win because they didn't take a knee. How do you not take a knee? I don't Terrible. know. I don't know. Was this like a, the tough guy routine? We don't take knees. We just run our offense. I don't know because I guess well, you he's run had your that offense rap. somewhere else. Unbelievable! That is awful. What do you guys got for your bad? Uh, it's real bad here uh, for me. So I don't know if uh, you guys noticed. I've been rocking the Orioles hat lately. I've been I've been bandwagoning. I'll be honest. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, you know I got to root for somebody. And obviously the White Sox were eliminated back in April. So I I, I liked uh, I like Baltimore. Uh, they got a good, fun young team. My girlfriend's from Baltimore. I uh, got a little money on the O's. Can you apple pick in Baltimore? Are there spots to go that you and your girlfriend can yeah, go? Yes, probably. I don't know. Well, we went to the Hard Rock on Friday. That's what adults That's do. That's what adults That's do <laughs> instead of going to the Hard Rock the Casino in Northern Indiana. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah. Shout out to them. Had, yeah. a, had, a, had a heck of a time. We there saw John Mulaney. Oh, yeah, he's good. He was very funny. Uh, it, wasn't he with someone else, too, there? Yeah, Pete with, Davidson uh, uh, was one of the openers, yeah. How great is that? What a great show that is. Really fun. First time seeing a show. It's not as good as Justin making Apple Crumbler. No. Yeah, would, just, would, going to so bed at good. 10.30. I would think it, it, it's, it's, quite, it's, it's quite a lot better than that. Yeah, you don't get to gamble at the uh, the Apple Orchard. Oh, I bet he was gambling. I bet he was gambling. Maybe on his phone. Maybe at DraftKings yeah. going. Uh, anyway, had some money on the O's. Got the hat. You know, supporting my my, my lady friends. Yeah, my my adopted team. And they have just been getting taken to the woodshed by the Texas Rangers. Uh, blown out pretty much two games. Now on the brink of elimination. Best record in the American League. Fun team. I invested, and now I am hurt. That is very bad Don't give for up. me and bad for for the city of Baltimore. Well, they could win three straight, can't yeah. they? Yes, they yeah, can. I mean, they could, yes, but they nothing, can. nothing good ever happens to me. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> nothing good ever happens you went to, to me. A great, you, went, you had a great night at the casino. Yeah. That's good. And you're with us today. Yeah, come on. You're Miller today. Chin up. I, I, Let's I'm, do this. I'm Miller today. Yeah. Oh, that's I the best that's thing not, that ever yeah. happened to I, me. I guess that's not good either. <laughs> All right, what what do you got, Justin? What's your bad? All right, um, sorry, Jay Cantu, but your Dallas Cowboys is my bad. Um, guys, uh, they lost to the Cardinals two weeks ago in horrible fashion. Last night, they just looked absolutely atrocious. You think they're a little overrated? I mean, they were pounding some pretty bad teams, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know, but Jake, I'm sorry, man. Your Cowboys, they don't look good, and I believe they play the Chargers a road game next week, so it could get ugly for them there, too. We'll see, though. Their wins are against the Giants, the Jets without Aaron Rodgers, right? Because he didn't get yeah. hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost to the Cardinals. They beat the Patriots 38-3, to and then they lost to the 49ers. Like, that's a hollow three and two. My favorite Stephen A. thing is when he laughs at the Cowboys. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. He puts on the jersey and yeah, the hat yeah, and, and he's, he's, just, the he's got the cigar and he's, yeah. he's laughing at them. Yeah. All right, let's, we'll, we'll come back with our dirties and the good, the bad, the dirties. Coming up, then we'll talk uh, more NFL and how it related to the Bears. 312-332-3776 if you want to participate. The good. It's gone! Oh, my God! The bad. That is so bad, that is absolutely brutal. 
the dirty. I thought my mask. Uh, wow, so many stories are running through my head right now. Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. Yeah, we're finishing up with, with our dirties. By the way, don't forget, we're going to be out at Twin Peaks in Warrenville uh, Wednesday. So uh, 48 hours from now, we'll be out in Warrenville at Twin Peaks. It's 28252 Deal Road in Warrenville. Come out and see us this Wednesday. Eat, drink, scenic views. We'll also have the Nissan Titan street team out with us. We'll have some nice giveaways. Have a great time. Ice cold, 29 degree beer. And uh, just have a great time. We'll talk up uh, Bears. We'll react to Connor bears. Bedard's debut for the Blackhawks. Big week this week. Big week. What's your dirty? Uh, other than having uh, the Dolphins plus, or excuse me, minus seven and a half in the first half and watching Tua throw a pick six on the goal line with about yeah. a minute and a half to go. Like, there's certain, and I had 10 bucks on it, so. But there are certain losses that just sting the crap out of you. Like that, yes. I'm already, I'm counting my, my I'm counting the, the, the what I'm going to do with the 10. Usually it turned 10 into to whatever it was going to be, 19 See, but bucks. that's your first problem. I was problem. spending the money already. Well, that, that's well, why do that. I was already spending it. I was already thinking about what I was going to parlay that win into in the second half. And there's two it's on a pick six to the Giants for crying out loud. Yeah. My bad is, or my dirty rather, is actually the Dirty Birds in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's receivers completely did him dirty and did him wrong. There were three potential touchdown passes that were dropped by Raven receivers. They had five total drops in the game, and they came into this game as a group of receivers with zero drops. They were dirty to their quarterback. Who did you have in that game? I didn't play it. Oh, I thought that was... Uh, no, I did not play the game. Because you had that game as well. No. Uh, no, I, like, I had a pretty good a three-team teaser. I had to, And I had a three-team parlay. I had the Lions... I had the Texans, and I got the Texans at two and a half, not one and a half. Oh, like I chose. yeah, that was a killer. And I also had the Dolphins. So I cleaned up. Boy, the, the Falcons play a lot of those close yeah. one and a half point spreads. Yeah. They play in a lot of those. Uh, Shani, yesterday after the Niners game, talking about the play. So who it went to it went to McCaffrey, then it went to Debo, then it went back to Purdy. And then, and then it went then, to Kittle. And then it went to Kittle for a touchdown. And it happened earlier in the day with the Lions scoring on virtually the exact same play. To their tight end, Laporta. Yeah, and uh, he talked about it, how it was the same play afterwards in the press conference. Detroit ran it earlier in the day. They scored um, to Laporta on it, so something we've had in for a little bit. We just walked through it throughout the weeks. I mean, every week and keep it up for when we need to call it. Seeing it work for someone else gives you more confidence. Call it. Um, flea flicker. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is a tough one. Isn't it hilarious? He's how, a wise ass too. Yeah, like how he? a lot of the coaches come up with these like Santa sleigh and stuff like that. They asked him, "What do you call it?" And he's like, "Flea, flea flicker. flicker." Yeah. But and I also think it's 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 cool awareness that even though he didn't copy them, he like they he's had it in the playbook. Yeah. That he was aware that the Lions ran it earlier in the day, and it did work as well. Like that's that's pretty cool. I thought it is. It was dirty and dirty good that both teams ran it and ran it well. And I love Ben Johnson too, and that's who I want as the next Bears head coach. There are others who would make me happy as well. Um, what do you guys have? Who's your dirty? 
Uh, my dirty Anthony Richardson getting hurt again for the Indianapolis Colts. Such a fun player, super exciting, super talented. You could tell, Kevin, that like he was playing kind of reckless yeah. as a rookie and that the fear was he was going to get hurt based on how he was playing. Yeah, and it, it's disappointing because, like I said, he's got all the talent in the world and, and just... So you can't take your eyes off of him when you're watching the Colts play, and uh, to see him go down with another injury, you know, second injury, um, this early in the season is is really really brutal. And uh, this has nothing to do with him being on my fantasy team whatsoever. Oh, right. nothing. Sure. No, nope. yeah. totally coincidental. Why doesn't anything good ever happen to you? Nothing, <laughs> Justin. All right, guys. Um, so my dirty this week. Uh, Sylvie, you touched on it a little bit, but Taylor Swift being a no-show for the Chiefs-Vikings game. Guys, I think uh, Taylor did uh, Kelsey pretty dirty there, not going. And oh, come on. Guys, what? Kelsey got injured, too? I mean, it's... it's. Uh, When's but... the last time your girlfriend showed up to work? <laughs> to to work? your work, yeah, to the to ESPN 1000. You're right, you're right. It's, that's a good point. That's dirty of her. <laughs> it is. Um, but, yeah, hopefully Taylor Swift uh, is there next game. I believe Chiefs are at home versus the Broncos, so maybe she's Does there she for not have? Games. She didn't have any business in Minneapolis-St. Paul? Guess not, no. Does she need it's to nice show town. up every game, though? No, no I That's don't the think thing. so. Like, there's got to be a point where she starts showing up or s- stops showing up, right? I, mean, I don't care, to be honest with I, you. That's how I like, felt. I really I don't. Like, I was fine with it. Like, I'm not rebelling against it, no. but I don't give a rat's ass. Yeah, her not being there was actually one of the candidates for my good, so I wouldn't that, have to see her in the press box 40,000 times. I got ripped for it. Someone tweeted saying... To me, after I gave my good to Travis Kelsey for doing football stuff and not being related at all oh, to Taylor Swift. Don't, don't don't get the Swifties after you. Well, no, someone said, but they, they wrote, where'd it go now? Yeah, you don't want the Swifties coming after this you. This isn't, no. is it, can you please go a week without mentioning Taylor Swift? Everywhere. They talk about her. So damn annoying. My good was about Travis Kelsey doing Travis Kelsey stuff. Oh, man. All right, uh, coming up next, um, are you more optimistic about the Bears? Or do you still think they're crap? Only the Bills can beat them, according to one of our uh, coworkers. 312-332-3776. They did get some good news today. We'll uh, take your phone calls coming up next.